going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. And good evening and welcome. I'm Debbie George Addis. I love, love that you've tuned into my show, America Can We Talk. So, First of all, I need to start tonight by saying happy Veterans Day and yay for the veterans of America. You know, um, the uh, holiday today is especially an important um, celebration of Veterans Day this year because it is the 100th anniversary today, November 11th, of the original Armistice Day. And without a long history thing, I'd like to say that the Armistice Day, Armistice um, started as at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month 100 years ago. And the celebration of of many societies, and certainly in America, of uh, Veterans Day, the honoring of people who serve their country, who choose to take the one only life they have and work and and, serve our country, go abroad, some many, many not coming back. Uh, It's just a a wonderful thing. And I was going to, as a very quick tribute to Veterans Day, I was going to mention that uh, my husband and I Last week went back to um, back east to visit my sister and some family, but what I wanted to mention was we did a tour of West Point, and I grew up in upstate New York, and I had never seen West Point, which is amazing. But what I wanted to say about it was you had such a sense of awe, of tradition, of love of country for every single person who attended there, who ever attended there, who studied there, who taught there, even, I mean, it was just the entire place. It was a, we had a wonderful tour. We had a great tour guide and a wonderful tour, learned lots of history. You know, West Point sits along the Hudson River and we actually learned about George Washington actually being there and stringing a chain, literally a chain from West Point, from that that piece of um, that land across the river to an island in the middle so that to prevent the British ships from being able to move in either direction on the Hudson. And there's a field there that was actually used by George Washington and the troops. Um, and they, they, it's treated as very, as hallowed ground. No one is supposed to walk on that field unless, until you finished you, your time at West Point. And the tourists don't walk on that land. But the, beyond those smaller traditions, the larger feel you left with was this just magnificent um, generosity from generation to generation to generation by certain by Americans who decided to spend their life uh, and, and at least dedication a portion of their life to serving their country. And it's just, it was a, it was so moving. I'm sure all of the military academies are like this. I don't mean to say West Point's the only one, but on this Veterans Day, especially, I want to just honor those people, the, everyone there who uh, went through that place and served America. So, 100th anniversary of Veterans Day. I'm sure lots of you did different celebrations for it. Uh, we went uh, to a couple of functions to honor veterans and very, very grateful for them. But I will turn to ask the question, you know, when we have Veterans Day, what did all those veterans fight for? What idea, what, um, what is America? 
because our veterans fought in wars. I mean, we had the Revolutionary War. I'm going to leave the Civil War out of this in this conversation today. But the America that our veterans fought for from uh, the most recent, the current wars we were in, involved in the Middle East, uh, the Vietnam War, uh, the all of the conflicts, the First World War, the Second World War, all of those were you know, people in America going abroad to fight. And I'm, and my real question is to ask us all, to, to inspire us all, think, what is the America they were fighting for? Was it just a piece of land on earth that just happened to be where they were from? And they could have just as well been from, you know, any other country on earth? Because the answer is no. And we all know that. The reason so many people served America in the First World War, Second World War, Korean War, Vietnam War, whatever era war, was because people knew America was and is a unique and extraordinary country. Many, many people. People were drafted. People, some people had to serve. But many went simply because... They knew our country was precious. The ideas upon which America was founded were precious. And that we were the guardian, the spokesperson, the example to the world of what liberty is, what the idea of, the, of this country founded on the idea of rights of, of man that come from God simply because you're born. And because that idea was so unique in human history, still is unique in this world, that it was worth sending troops over to stop for example, the Nazis, to stop the spread of this, the evil of Nazism and to, and to stop the spread of communism in Vietnam. There was, there was a nobility about the American military spirit that wasn't just to fight enemies, which is a good reason. To fight bad guys is a good reason to go to war if you have to. But it was to, to, to protect the ability of the America here at home, this country, to be the unique, extraordinary country that it was meant to be. And for our generation and every generation since the founding of this country, the job of every generation is to preserve this unique, extraordinary idea. That is America, unique in all world history, exceptional in all world history. We come back from the break and we talk about the midterm elections and really what the midterms were about were kind of the same thing that all the wars have been about, which is voting, in this case, to stand up for the idea of America. I'm Debbie Georgias. This is America Can We Talk. If you're on Facebook Live, come back in four minutes and come right back. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. 
Do you dream of a better world? One where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past? What if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need? The solution to poverty is not handouts, but hope. The freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good. At Five Talents, we empower the poor to start their own small businesses. Five Talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world. With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with Five Talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org. F-I-V-E talents.org. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. I do want to talk about the midterm elections. I mean, the overall answer is that I would say the Trump agenda uh, will survive. And the uh, GOP did, as you all know, I'm sure, because you pay attention to politics. The Democrats took back the majority of the U.S. House, but just barely. And the Republicans increased their majority in the Senate. So these are good outcomes overall. I want, though, to talk about, because it's a really great time when I'm always telling you on this show about how bad it is to have politics defined by inherent characteristics that no one ever chose. And by that, I mean there is so much argument and um, agitation and political uh, 
effort expended by the American left to make the argument that because you happen to be born a woman, you must vote this way. Because you happen to be born with a certain skin color, race, ethnicity, national origin, you must vote a certain way. And that kind of politicking was really, really notable in this election cycle. And I want to just spend a minute talking about it. First of all, there was an article in the uh, Vogue magazine, which, uh, okay, actually, one more thing in the midterms before I forget. You know, before you hear too many people on the American left celebrating that, you know, the, the uh, Democrats took back the U.S. House, this was not the blue wave they, they were promising or the blue wave they were hoping for. This was a barely little blue puddle, maybe. But what did happen, just to be, by contrast, Get these, keep these numbers in mind. When Barack Obama lost um, in the midterm election during his first four years as president, he lost the U.S. House, lost 63 seats. 63 seats. That's big in any in, in, in any calculation. Uh, and, and by contrast, this time the House results, Democrats gained 30, or you could say the Republicans lost 30. We still have a few in contention, but I mean, this was not anything compared to the rebuke the American public gave to President Obama and the Democrats in the 2010 uh, midterms. Um, in 1994, Bill Clinton lost uh, the, the, uh, in the off-year election, the midterm election, lost 52 House seats. So... Yes, Republicans lost 30 seats. Um, You know, this is not good news. Uh, However, a lot of those are tied to, as they always are, into individual candidates, people who are tired of their their congresswoman or congressman, think they've been there too long, got mad about some vote. And there's always a little bit of that. But this is not nearly the loss that either Bill Clinton at 52 or Barack Obama at 63 votes. Uh, Again, Barack Obama 2010, Bill Clinton 94, lost 52. uh, And then in uh, George W. lost 30 seats in that in a similar election uh, in 2006. But the bigger point I want to get to, and, and really in this segment, is to talk about how we have. Um, I'm fooled by microphone here. Sorry. Um, how we had so much messaging from the media, the, the, or I like to call them the Democrat media mob, about and just brazenly arguing that because of inherent characteristics over which you have no control at all, um, and no one ever chose the, for themselves, you are simply expected to vote a certain way. Let me start with one article. The Boston Globe ran an editorial, an opinion piece called Memo to Black Men. Stop voting Republican. I just want to ask you for a second to consider, you know, can you imagine if there were uh, articles saying, because essentially this is calling uh, black men stupid. That's what this article is, this editorial from the Boston Globe by a Democrat is say, it's called Memo to Black Men, Stop Voting Republican. And, you know, it doesn't even matter what it says. I have a good friend who's actually a black Republican, um, a guy, activist, who just, you know, he put this up on his, well, some of his social media and said, oh, for crying out loud, like I'm going to take advice from the, um, you know, from the uh, Boston Globe. But one closer to home to me and one that I've talked, the kind of issue I've talked about many times in this show has to do uh, with how women are expected to vote. And I'm going to read you this title from the Vogue magazine. Now, I don't buy Vogue. I don't, I've, I believe it is accurate. I've never in my life purchased a Vogue magazine or probably even opened one up. But Vogue magazine, here's the article title. Why do white women keep voting for the GOP and against their own interests? There's so many levels to attack that, but the reason I want to talk about on the radio tonight is just to urge you to recognize this is all the left has to argue. They, the, the left-wing policies in this country 
have not helped anyone. And more and more people see this. And so their argument is never is, vote for us, we make people poor. Vote for us, we make people uh, dependent on the government so they can't take care of themselves. Vote for us, we would abandon the border. We would just make, vote for, and, and I will tell you that the left-wing argument, and this is really, I mean, I talk about the just audacious, the willingness of the media on the left to just say, well, you know, we think that white women should vote, uh, shouldn't vote GOP. And they're, in fact, they're kind of mocking them. They, there's a reference in the article to what, what has happened to our sisters, like referring to the womanhood as sisters, and then why do white women keep voting for the GOP? This assumes that all women think alike. This assumes that all women reach the same calculation in thinking through the issues in their lives that they, they would choose left-wing views on all sorts of issues. Uh, you know, and this is memo to Vogue and to the Democrat Party. The worst, the worst outcome for the Democrats in this country is to have more informed voters, is to have voters who realize what America's all about, what the Republican Party stands for versus the Democrat Party. I mean, I can find plenty of reasons to criticize individual Republicans and actions or failures to act. In fact, I would say, if anything, in this midterm election cycle, one reason some Republicans I personally know lost their re-election campaign to Congress is because they never followed through and did what they said they would do. They never followed through. They came home and said, oh, yeah, I promise, I promise, Republican voters, I'm going to get it there. We're going to fight to repeal Obamacare. We're going to fight to do this. And they don't do it. Republican voters chose Donald Trump to be president in 2016 in large part because they felt betrayed by the Republican Party. And so some of the Republicans who did not win this cycle, it's not that their, their constituencies or their districts went so far left. It is that the Republicans said, how else do I send the message to my elected congressman, my congressman, that he never listens to me? He never follows through. He never stands up. He never fights. And this is part of what happened to many incumbent Republicans, just a frustration among their own voters. And there's a million other factors. And, you know, that you can't just no one should uh, claim to have one particular um, factor. They can they claim they know for sure this caused the whole uh, election outcome. But there was a lot of that. And I will tell you, there's, there's a feeling among uh, white women, educated GOP, Republican white women voters It's insulting to be told by the Democrat Party, by the media, by Vogue magazine, for crying out loud, that they know better than you what you need in life, that you're not really capable of thinking. So you just need to be told by the Democrats and by the media and by Vogue magazine what's good for you in life. And a lot of what the left wing messaging is to women and to everyone, frankly, is to create little victim groups. And so women are one of those victim groups. The message from the Democrat Party to many women is, you are victims, you are being mistreated, society is unfair, we need to get in there and fix things for you. Vote for us, we'll punish those bad men, we'll punish those bad businesses that didn't give you a job. It is an endless message of victimization to women and to be and for an invitation to women to accept the role of being a victim. And this is part of what the uh, Republican woman voter is rejecting is I don't need you to fight for me, Democrats. I need you to actually do your job in Congress 
I need you to keep this country safe and secure, keep our free market economy humming, let people build their own lives and dreams. That's what the message is from Republican women to answer Vogue's question, you know, what in the world do we do about these Republican women who won't, um, you know, who, who won't vote with us? We don't want you to save us. We don't look to the political system to save us from society, from mean people, from corporations, from any other enemy that the left wing mindset thinks up. That is why. Having said all of that, I will also acknowledge, and I'm going to work on this uh, for the rest of my life at least, and you know, I mean, which is there was still in this uh, last election cycle, and even worse than in the past, a gender gap. A gender gap meaning that uh, Republican men or men turned out to vote Republican far more than women. And in fact, the numbers are, um, I'll just give you some quick, uh, brief numbers, but um, women were 52, we are 52% of all voters. So we're over half the population. We're over the half of the voting population. And we voted, women voted 59 to 40% for Democrat House candidates. Now, I think that how I vote and how I urge people to vote is to look at the party platforms and not the, you know, the particular candidate, whether you like him or don't like him. Vote, vote for the platform. Vote for the people who stand for the values that you believe in. That's really what the job is. But um, there was a big gender gap in this last election cycle. And we'll be talking about that more, a uh, little bit more today and um, moving forward because there is a need for the Republican Party to message better to women and for women who are Republicans to speak up to others to say, this is why Republican answers are better for you. I'm Debbie Georges, America Can We Talk. If you're on Facebook Live, come back in four minutes. And we're going to turn to the vote recount slash fraud when we get back. Come right back. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. 
Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. Have you heard of the Policy Circle? It's a national network of women who come together in neighborhood conversations to discuss the public policies impacting their communities. You can think of it as a book club, but instead of reviewing a book, members discuss public policy issues. Policy Circle members have access to membership-only resources and benefits that complement a thoughtful framework for women to come together and have fact-based discussions. From healthcare to poverty, from free enterprise to education, from fiscal responsibility to the First Amendment, we discuss the issues that shape America. Change starts with a conversation. Conversations happen when women across the nation are connected and engaged in their communities, openly sharing their views and taking a leadership role in policy dialogue on what human creativity can accomplish in a free economy. Are you ready to join a growing network of engaged women? To join or start your own policy circle, visit thepolicycircle.org today. That's thepolicycircle.org. The federal government spends $900 billion annually on anti-poverty programs. What has it produced? 75% of black children are born into fatherless homes. 43% of the prison population is black. The black poverty rate has remained at twice the national average. And cities like Oakland, Baltimore, St. Louis, and Detroit are in ruins. Instead of helping, bad policies and billions of dollars have spread a sickness in the black community. It's time for a cure. The Center for Urban Renewal and Education, CURE, led by President Star Parker, is addressing our nation's most critical problems in our nation's most distressed zip codes. CURE's mission is to fight poverty and restore dignity through faith, freedom, and personal responsibility. To find out more, to read about how CURE works, and how you can help, please visit urbancure.org and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Together, you and I can cure America. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. I'm so glad you've tuned in. I meant to mention at the start of the show, in the second hour, we have Dinesh D'Souza joining us. I'm sure many of you saw his latest documentary, Death of a Nation, um, and also read his book. He's just a, a, a national treasure. So he'll be on at 730. Um, but right now, I want to talk about what uh, is going on with the vote recounting. If you want to know the reason that Donald Trump won, I mean, there are, you can point to a lot of things, so I guess I shouldn't say just one, but one of the central reasons that Donald Trump defeated the 16 other candidates in the primary in 2016 was because people could tell, Republican voters could tell, this guy is a fighter. Even if you didn't support him in the primary, and lots of Republicans didn't, they can see, they could see at the time of the primary, they can see now that Donald Trump does not just capitulate. And what many Republican voters over this, around this country for literally decades have felt is that the Republican elected officials go to Washington, they promise certain things in campaigns, they go to Washington and they roll over and capitulate and roll over and capitulate. 
and the country moves further and further and further ideologically to the left. Government grows and grows and grows and grows, and Republicans don't fight back enough. Well, here is a time Republicans could show that they are going to fight. I want to play just a few clips for you. Uh, I'll tell you, this, this, there are recounts going on, as I'm sure you likely know. Recounts are going on in Arizona where it appears the Republican victory of the U.S. Senate candidate is about to be handed to the Democrat. Uh, Recounts going on in Florida and in Georgia. And in each case, people sit around in their everywhere they are in this country, in in their homes, in their farms, in their apartments, and and watch this. And they're like, how many times does this have to happen that we have recounting occurring and somehow it always, always magically has the same outcome? That the Republican who appeared to have won on the election night, well, who knew? Turns out he lost. People can see it and they're livid. They want to see the Republicans fight. The Republicans in Florida are fighting. Trump, President Trump's gotten involved in that one. Governor Rick Scott, who himself is a candidate in this battle for the U.S. Senate, he's in the middle of it. But there's been a lot of just uh, uh, complacency or unwillingness to fight. Well, first, I want to just uh, play a quick clip for you. For those of you who keep hearing the left claim that, uh, you know, the uh, cheating never occurs um, and that anyone who wants voter ID is, is, you know, really wrong. And anyone who talks about cleaning the voter rolls, demanding clear ID, demanding that people be citizens to vote. And you hear the left always saying, oh, come on, cheating never happens. I'm playing a clip. Project Veritas the brilliant project that does undercover recording, recorded this in the gray state of Texas, in the state of Texas, recorded this at a polling place. And the thing that they're referring to, DACA, is the people who are not citizens. DACA is uh, the delayed, um, uh, I can't think of what it stands for, but it's people who aren't legally here and President Obama protected them from being deported. But this is an actual election clerk in the state of Texas Acknowledging she's fine with people cheating on voting. Here you go. Yes, ma'am, I had a question for you. So let's just say my boyfriend was a dreamer, but he's registered to vote. He just needs his ID, right? Uh huh. That's it. That's it. So as yeah. long as he's registered. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just ask you a question? I went back and we went and grabbed his driver's license. He's just he's saying something about how some people are questioning whether it's legal since he's not a citizen, but he was able to register. If he's if he. If he has his ID, that's all he needs if he's registered. Yeah, it doesn't matter that he's not a citizen. No, no. If he's registered, he has a... Honey, it might not be that he's registered. If he's giving you all this trouble, it may not be that he's registered. No, he is registered. We he should be able to show you that. He's got it with him. We ran home and grabbed his driver's license because he's a DACA recipient, so he was able to get a driver's license. Yeah, he's saying he saw some mess on the Internet saying that it's not legal for him to vote since he's not a citizen. Someone said on the Internet, I don't know. Don't pay attention to that. Yeah. No. We have dreamers voting, right? If he has a voter registration card, uh-huh. he's registered to vote. Right. He has an ID. Mm-hmm. Driver's license. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas ID. Yeah. Or a passport. Mm-hmm. Right. Bring it up here. That's his ID. Show it to them. Mm-hmm. And then he can vote. Okay. Uh, well, no, he is in the system. Okay. But he knows that, like, I don't know, there's like an issue with DACA, people voting. Um, mm-hmm. no, we had a lot of them. Got a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. From the early voter, we had tons of them. Tons of DACA voters. Okay, folks. 
I know that was a little bit noisy. I'm sorry. This is an undercover recording of somebody going into the voting booth, or not the voting booth, but the voting location, asking the election judge, is it okay if my boyfriend who and DACA, I remember while we were on the, um, while they were playing that is uh, delayed action for childhood arrivals or dreamers is another category. People who are not citizens, but have some legal piece of paper. And this Texas election judge is saying, sure, you can vote after being told the guy's not a citizen. You realize he's not a citizen. Oh, sure. And the last little clip, if you didn't heard the end of it, she's saying, oh, we had tons of them. Tons of dreamers voting. So just imagine how elections in this country might have come out if we only had citizens voting. That's number one. And this is part when people in this country hear these kind of things, they want Congress and their state legislatures to do something. And every time that is attempted, whether in Congress or in the state legislatures, you get the American left starting in with, oh, you're just racist. You're just trying to make it hard for people uh, of color to get ID. You're trying to you're trying to trip them up and make it impossible for them to vote. This is like this. You're just doing the same thing, you know, like the, the used to happen in the South years ago. And so because there isn't enough backbone, we back down or too many people back down and say, well, I don't want to be you know, accused of anything wrong. So so we don't. But this is crazy. In our country, you have to be a citizen to vote. There needs to be action at the federal level that says does a couple of things. One says, yes, for national elections, you must have picture ID. You must have proof of citizenship and there need to be severe penalties. If that woman you just heard assuring this you know, undercover reporter for Ver- Project Veritas thought if this election judge who is telling this woman, sure, you can, your boyfriend can vote, even though he's not legal, he's not a citizen, if she thought she might go to jail for 10 years, maybe she'd think twice. We need actual criminal penalties for cheating and voting. And we need to have people aware of them and actually people going to jail. And then I think this kind of thing might uh, might back down. Well, anyway, it might might diminish. But the other thing happening, we have these recounts going on. And I got to tell you, the level of frustration, again, among so many people in America, we all remember the election back in 2008 in Minnesota, where the incumbent Republican Norm Coleman had won. And sure enough, Al Franken, the, you know, uh, Democrat comedian now then became senator. They had recount after recount after recount. Somehow all these recounts, all these location of, of new votes, turns out, astonishingly, it's always that the Democrat won. And in Florida, we have an amazing battle ongoing. We have the Broward County Election Commissioner, Brenda Snipes, who has been more than once rebuked by a judge, by a court, saying, you know, you have to follow the law. You have to do what you're supposed to do. So Marco Rubio, who isn't known for mouthing off all that much, um, he actually has gotten in the mix on this. He's livid that what is happening in his own state. I'm going to play Marco Rubio's clip here and then tell you what's happening in Florida. Their words, they held a press conference and said that we're not here to just have a recount. We're here to win. And look, we have procedures in the law for close elections and recounts. I have no problem with any of that. I have no problem with anyone availing themselves of what the law allows them to do. Here's my problem. My problem is this is focused on two counties and in particular one county. So let me use an example. Bay County, Florida, where Panama City is, was hit by a Category 4 hurricane about four weeks to the day of this election. They were without power. You guys covered all this. 
they did all their ballots at a 52% return rate, you know, a 52% turnout despite the hurricane. They did all their ballots, submitted them on time. They were done uh, basically on election night early the following morning, very early. Broward County, 48 hours later, is still counting. And they didn't have a category for hurricane. And it's not the first time that they do this. Problem number one. Problem number two is we don't know how many votes they have. And neither do they. Either they don't know or they won't tell anybody how many ballots are left to count. Okay, that's Marco Rubio, who, you know, he's actually now joined forces with President Trump, with Governor Rick Scott, who's trying to challenge us. But on election night, on election night of this past Tuesday, the uh, GOP race for Senate from Florida was called for Governor Scott for the Republican challenging the Democrat incumbent Nelson, who's been there for 160 years or something crazy. Uh, the, the election was called the GOP pickup for Governor Scott. And now it's being challenged. And actually, they're, they're arguing about whether uh, so they, that is a now an undecided battle. Uh, we have the same thing occurring in the um, governor's race in Florida. And the good news is a court has finally I mean, there's been lawsuits filed and a court is now looking at it. The grownups in the room. But this Brenda Snipes character running these elections down there has been caught cheating in the past. And where are the Republicans just, there needs to be a Republican meltdown until this stuff gets fixed. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. If you're on Facebook Live, come back after four minutes. Right back. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. 
America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldier is deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit Texas policy.com to learn more can you hear us now can you hear us and welcome back to america can we talk okay i'm gonna do two more things three more things very quickly about these recounts because you know folks there really is i mean it's, it's like a one of my best friends from law school used to have the expression a PGO, which was a pointed glimpse into the obvious. I mean, the, the idea that, you know, some things are so obvious that they are just, you know, you hardly need to say them. But if you can't count on the uh, accuracy of voting, why vote? If you think that the government, that the other opposition party is just going to steal the election anyway, why would anyone vote? It undermines everyone's confidence in the system if you don't have accurate elections and you don't have honest election officials, you don't have an honest counting. I'm going to just tell you a couple other quick facts to keep you uh, worked up about Florida because this is really crucial. It's not just this particular seat. It is the concept that over time we have had, we've watched this happen in America over and over and over. When the election doesn't go the way the Democrats want, we had Norm Coleman lose his Senate seat in Minnesota after magical recounting, the Democrats' magical recounting. And then we have in Florida, they're trying to take away what was the victory declared on election night for Governor Rick Scott to become the next Republican U.S. Senator from Florida. But the particular individual I've been talking about, Brenda Snipes, and she is the election supervisor in Broward County. It's like you hear that name and you always go, Broward County, I've heard of that. Yeah, they're always in the news because they, I mean, at the very best, at the kindest, profound incompetence, more likely intentional malfeasance. But 
few other tidbits that happened. So, first of all, she had initially been ordered by a court to turn over the ballots, to turn over the election records, and she didn't do it. She was told to by last Friday, didn't do it. Kind of above the law. She's deciding. She's the election judge. She's not going to listen to some, some judge, some federal court judge. Who's he to say? But additional things have occurred. Brenda Snipes' office, she's the election supervisor, Broward County, mixed bad provisional ballots with good ones, and there's no way to tell which ones they were. Now, if you know anything about provisional ballots, sometimes you go in to vote. You may have, have had this occur. You go in, they say, you know, actually, you're, you know, you're not on the list, but, you know, I see you have a, a voter ID. So you, if they have some question as to your legal right to vote and your, where you live, they give you a provisional ballot. And what's supposed to happen is all the provisional ballots are kept separate from the real ballots, the legitimate votes. And then if there are, if their election is close, they have to count the provisional ballots to uh, see if they would change the outcome. If the number of provisional, at least in Texas, if the number of provisional ballots is small and the difference, the, the difference between the top vote getter and the second one is big. And so there's no, you, the counting the provisionals couldn't change the outcome. They didn't even count them. They mixed provisional ballots in with good ones and now say they have no way of telling which ones were which. I mean, I mean, folks, okay, next thing that uh, is stunt going on down there, there's now a Broward County employee who has signed an affidavit admitting seeing elections staff filling out blank ballots. If you, if they cannot get this <laughs> to the right outcome, if they cannot get this woman, frankly, removed, why she still has this job is truly incredible, and why she hasn't been prosecuted, uh, it, it's just truly amazing. So I'm just telling you this kind of stuff, when you wonder why people love Donald Trump, it's because you he he's jumped right in the middle of this. He's not going to let them get away with this. He is going to be part of the fight. Okay, I just have to tell you folks, you know, this midterm election, uh, you know, there are a lot of reasons people might have decided to vote Democrat because they don't like President Trump or because they're mad at their Republican congressman for never standing up or whatever the reason was. But we're all entitled. Everyone is entitled to assume only citizens vote. You have to follow the laws of your state, register by whatever your deadline is. The people who work in the elections department, including volunteer election judges, election clerks, you know, everyone has to fear that they may go to jail if they intentionally cheat. There has to be oversight. I mean, this I think there could be so much done to increase the confidence of the American people to address this. I mean, it's an astonishing situation. The Arizona situation, I won't even have time to go off on tonight because I do want to hit some other story in this segment. But um, the Arizona situation where uh, you had the uh, Republican and Democrat. And again, I think that night I can check my little notes here. I think that night. Um, yeah, the, the evening of the election in Arizona this past Tuesday, they called for the Senate. They called Martha McSally as having won 49.4 to 48.4 against Cinema. Uh, I can't think of Cinema's first name, but anyway, the Democrat last name is Cinema. Well, lo and behold, shockingly, they're finding ballots that didn't get turned in. And now Cinema is up by, it's like the last time I checked, 7,000 votes. So this is, again, it, it undermines the confidence of the American people in the election system if you don't have integrity. Okay, that's enough on that. Must be addressed. And it's not just because I want the Republican to win, because I, I generally speaking, want the Republican to win, although I don't, you know, have a, 
you know, skin in the game in most of these races, but I really want election integrity. And I actually think if you asked the vast swath of Americans of every political and every other style of background, they want to feel like the elections are just and fair. They want to feel like there is, we're not a banana republic uh, in counting votes. Okay. I do want to hit one other story before we get to the top of the hour. This, this always, I always say it's the fastest two hours of my week. It races by. And I grew up in upstate New York and where we all talk fast. So I'm trying. You know, I like As the show goes on, I feel like I'm talking faster because there's so many things I want to talk about. But the reason I do this show is to talk about America and to, and to urge us all to re-embrace our, 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 and revalue again the great uniqueness of America. But I want to turn to what happened in the White House this week with CNN reporter... Actually, you can't even call him a reporter. CNN uh, political activist and advocate, uh, Jim Acosta, who hassled President Trump during a press conference. And if you don't know, I'm sure you've heard the name Jim Acosta, but he's a CNN guy, belligerent, uh, you know, talks over President Trump, disruptive, accusatory. He's never there just to ask a question. He's there to argue with him. So this week, Jim Acosta bumped up against Trump, which was good. He's been very rude, by the way, also to uh, Sarah Sanders. But I want to just play this quick clip of what happened in the White House this week with CNN uh, advocate. And um, he's a strident advocate. Hardly uh, deserves the name of a reporter uh, for CNN. Here you go. Thank you, Mr. President. I wanted to challenge you on on one of the statements that you made in the tail end of the campaign uh, in in the midterms. Here here we go. Well, if you don't mind, Mr. President, that this caravan was an invasion. As you know, Mr. President, President, the caravan was not an invasion. It's a a group of migrants moving up from Central America towards the border with the U.S. Thank you for telling me. And why did you characterize it as such? Uh, because I consider it an invasion. You and I have a difference of opinion. But do you think that you demonized immigrants in not this election no, to try to want keep them? I want them to come into the country, but they have to come in legally. You know, they have to come in, Jim, through a process. I'll tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Okay. The media in this country, some media in this country are defending Acosta and saying, that was terrible. President Trump should have said that. I'm telling you, across the board, mainstream America is saying, thank you for shutting this guy down. So rude, so obnoxious. He's not asking the qu- a question. He's belligerently arguing. So finally, after, and I don't even know how many times this has happened with Jim Acosta doing this to Sarah Sanders, to President Trump, finally... His press credentials were suspended. Now, I don't know whether they'll give him back in two days, but they were suspended. And people complaining about that are saying, well, he has you know, a right to be there. But actually, you, know, you don't. There is actually no right. There's no constitutional right for a reporter to even be accepted in the press pool. There's no constitutional right for a reporter to be accepted in the White House press pool. It is a custom. It's a good thing to have reporting in the White House. There is no obligation. And when you behave the way he does over and over, I think America is saying, yay. But on the issue they were talking about, I want to hit this on the, uh, just be sure, plant this seed. We'll talk about it more, I hope, next week. But what is happening is this caravan, we talked about last week, and on my podcast, too, we talked about this caravan coming up from South America. There are now at least four of them, and I think there's actually a fifth one now being rumored. 
various caravans of, of citizens of South American countries walking up, I mean, literally walking through countries on their way to America, wanting to present themselves uh, to ask for asylum in this country. And so President Trump announced via proclamation last week that he was going to develop an executive order essentially saying... If you come through, you know, these people from Honduras and El Salvador, and they're coming through uh, Guatemala and then Mexico and then finally to America, he's, he's basically saying, if you come through some other country, you have to apply there first. You apply for asylum to the first country you reach. That is widespread, commonly understood asylum law. But secondly, what Trump is saying he's going to say is, If you come to America and you cross our border at some place that is not an actual border crossing, we have official border crossings, many of them. If you cross through an official border crossing, then you can go through the asylum process, which is an application seeking asylum. If you don't, if you do, this is what Trump is saying he's going to do, if you don't, if you just cross the border at some not official border crossing place, you're ineligible for asylum. And so he's basically making it so that this group is going to have to steer it. If they're really going to march all the way to America, uh, they have to go to our official border areas. The reason I wanted to raise this is that the left is already out of their minds saying that, you know, you can't do this. In fact, ACLU is threatening a lawsuit over it. Um, In fact, yeah, the ACLU already filed a lawsuit over this, over his asylum proclamation. It isn't even an order yet. It's just a proclamation. But I want to tell you something to be really clear and tell your friends if they think, if you hear people saying, well, maybe Trump shouldn't do this, maybe he doesn't have the right to do this. In federal law, in federal law, it says the president, whenever he finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States. He has the right to suspend all forms of immigration for such period as he shall deem necessary. Folks, that is black and white. Black and white federal law. Trump has the authority to do this. But again, the court, the, uh, the American left is going to go to the courts trying to get the courts to overrule President Trump's clear statutory authority and just say, yeah, but we don't like that because we think he shouldn't do this and we think he should have a different thing. So we want you, court, to get in the middle of it. And I'm telling you, the liberal federal courts, district courts in the Ninth Circuit will do this. They will side probably with the people attacking Trump. But my point in this segment is Trump has the right to do it. It's a very smart move. I'm Debbie Georgez. This is America Can We Talk. Second hour, we have Dinesh D'Souza joining us. Come back after our break. 